And you know what? I'm an individual and I'm an athlete. And nobody's going to tell me what to do. No promoter or no promotion throughout the United States. Not the NWA, not the AWA, not any conglomerate of promoters. What I am is I am the world's toughest wrestler. I'm meaner than a rattlesnake and tougher than shoe leather. And I'll tell you one thing for sure. I'm not gonna listen to any pig-nosed airhead on MTV and let them tell me what professional wrestling is about. I know, and I am the toughest man that you've ever seen. And believe me, when I come to the East Coast, I want you egg-sucking dogs to take a look at me. And all of you idiots with that blow-dried hair will come on down after I get through wrestling and step in the ring two by two, four by four, eight by eight. It doesn't matter to me because I am a man. Dudes watch Disney Podcast. We watch films and have a blast. Rank them all from first to last. It's our podcast. Welcome back to the Dudes Watch Disney Podcast, everybody. I say back, maybe you're coming from a previous episode. Maybe you're somehow coming from a future episode that we don't know about. Anything could be happening. It's the weird world we live in. I'm Jake. I'm Dustin. I never know what I'm going to say when I start these. Well, well he ep- says never. In early episodes, he had a big like paragraph pre-planned Usually. like introduction. This is episode 23. I don't Ooh. even think I gave a number on the last one. I don't think he did either. I mean, it's been so long ago since we recorded it, but mm-hmm. nobody likes you when you're 23. That's what, as Blink-182 yeah, said. Yeah, even done, uh, you know, I don't know about you, I'm feeling 22. Oh, By the way, here's I, the Little Mermaid. Damn it. <laughs> I got a retroact. Okay, Jake, edit that out from right there and put it at the start of and Little Mermaid. And then be like, remember how great it was when I came up with that for 22? Here's my 23. Mm, yep, 23 perfect. and me, here's Rescuers Down Under. 23 skadoo, let's watch this movie. It's the Rescuers Down Under. We're in Australia for this one. Kinda. Most of the cast isn't. Um, And it's our first Disney sequel, which was not a thing for 50-whatever-fucking-years. Hard to imagine now in a world of just all sequels Uh all the time, and everything ties into this universe or that universe. And going forward, we don't really do any more Disney Animation Studios theatrical release sequels, all the, like... You know specifics. Yeah, we if you put, put, put that many caveats here. on it, no, we don't. We don't. We do Disney official sequels. canon sequels, right. perhaps. Yeah. We do direct-to-video sequels. There's Cinderella two and fucking Return of Jafar and all this kind of mm-hmm. bullshit. That's outsourced to another Disney subset studio, and then we occasionally that studio will have a theatrical release, like Jungle Book two was released in theaters. Oh, I but didn't know that. Nobody goddamn remembers Jungle Book two. Like it's not a real movie. <laughs> Fair enough. Return of Jafar, though, like, that's good stuff. We'll see. We might okay. do I remember liking it when on. I was little. I don't yeah, know if it's exactly. actual good stuff. <laughs> we owned it does not translate to <laughs> it's good stuff. Fair enough. <laughs> they got Robin Williams back for Aladdin 3, though. I've never seen that one. I think I've seen it once. Well... I spoilers for future bonus episodes. I do episode. know that we did see it. We saw it together. We saw it. This is none of this is for the show. We saw it at <laughs> house. 
house. Because <laughs> talked through the whole movie, okay. and not like in a normal like way, but it was like he thought he was singing along with the movie, but he didn't know oh, any of the words. So he just movie, and like would say like you know random words and just mumble through it. It was the same weekend as Earth Bing Bong Bine. All of that. The one time I stayed overnight, I remember owning it. I have no memory yeah. of the film. So we watched it, but I was so involved in him yeah. doing that. I think we watched one of the Land Before Time sequels as well. Probably. That sounds familiar. How many sequels is Land Before Time up to now? Uh, I don't There's a bazillion. We own five of them. So. <laughs> anyway, so this is the first sequel and uh, last sequel for a while in, yeah. the, in the official canon. Fantasia 2000. Depends on how much you count that. Yeah, I mean, it is technically a sequel but it's right. not it's, it's just in the spirit of, right yeah right. it's the same thing with different orchestral pieces like but it's not guess what happened to these characters next right. you know you're right and so we don't get another sequel to, until ralph breaks the internet right yeah did you ever watch that i didn't know mm. it's really not bad but it is kind of pointless yeah um i would describe that to for like all of the pixar sequels after toy true. story 2 maybe not this one though this sequel is bad ass yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, but we waited a long time to do this sequel. Rescuers Who came out was in the clamoring for this. I don't know. Rescuers <laughs> came out in the seventies. It was popular though. Like, yeah. um, we it talked was about popular, it was but like, it wasn't 101 Dalmatians popular. No, but like, we talked about how it was like the highest selling movie in France or whatever that year where it outdrew all these other random things like, um, <laughs> star Wars came out. Yeah, like the I think same so. I think it was, shit. yeah, I, it doesn't, French it don't doesn't know shit sense. about star Wars. <laughs> fair enough. Anyway, so we hated the original. You can go back and check out that episode in our archives. Mm-hmm. Not a fan of the original Rescuers. No, not really. I even watched some of it after finishing this one, and it was like, this is so boring. Now, part of that could be we like, watch the sequel first. Sometimes watching the sequel first, and then you go back and watch the original, you don't enjoy that one as much. I don't know that that's true. Oh, okay. <laughs> because we owned both of them for my whole living memory. Yeah, so. okay, but we, we got... We got Rescuers second. We had Rescuers Down Under first. No. Whole time watching Rescuers 1, I'm like side-eyeing my wife like, why do you like this movie? (laughs) Whereas Rescuers Down Under is like, fuck yeah! Let's go fly on an eagle! Yeah. Boy movie. (laughs) Maybe. Um, It's a movie where stuff happens. I mean, what's another movie? Name another movie where you watch the uh, sequel first and then backed up and watch the first one. Because for me, like, Austin Powers would be that. That's one. And for a lot of people, Austin Powers would be that since the first one was not that popular. Right. First Um, one holds up better, by the way. Perhaps. Hot take. Um, A lot of jokes in uh, the second one are just, hey, here's a little person. Or, hey, here's a fat person. (laughs) Fat bastard, it's funny. Like, come on now. Sure. Yeah. It's know. a little iffy. I have a friend and co-worker who tried to tell me that the third Austin Powers movie was the good one, and I had to be like, literally no one agrees with you, man. Like, <laughs> we, we can no about everyone loves that movie. And like, so he tried to list, uh, you know, all the things about it he liked or whatever, and I was like, I mean, Michael Caine's in it. Like, there's that. Yep. But like, and Beyonce is cool, I guess. She doesn't really get to do much. Nathan Lane is in it, too. He's awesome. He has one scene. <laughs> yeah, but it's awesome. You can't argue against Nathan Lane being awesome. Uh, the rap right. part at the beginning is cool, too. Okay, there's not... The third one is fine, but no one thinks of it as the good one. Like, right. uh, we're way off track. Are there, is there I anything else you watched the, out of order? No, I was just going to say, I referenced Goldmember in the last episode with the preparation H feels good on the whole. That, so clearly it stuck with me. Is that the third one? That's the third the one. one. No, it's the third one. They're in the submarine. The second one, they're in the volcano. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fair enough. It's a forced joke. <laughs> it is, a little bit. Uh, movies I saw the sequels first. I've read books out of order. I don't. I can't really think of movies I've seen out of order. Hmm. I can't think of another one at the moment other exactly. than these two. <laughs> like, but if um, you're gonna do it, this is the one to do it with. 
it is seeing the rescuers is not a prerequisite for seeing this film. No, definitely not. And uh, and I don't have anything to add. I said and really enthusiastically. <laughs> yeah. I was just ready to start talking about how great the opening of the movie was. But it is awesome. We show we start this opening shot like of like some bugs bug, hanging out, and then we did a fast zoom across right. all kinds of countryside. Boom, 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 boom. Like the score of this film is very exciting. It feels very like. I don't, at, at times it sounded a little Jurassic Park-y or yeah. like maybe I don't John Williams didn't do it but no. like it sounded John Williams-esque in its nature I don't know mm-hmm. but uh, yeah lots of didgeridoos yeah also that it reminds me a of a funny thing a student said once like I just heard this in the hallway it was not one of my students mm-hmm. she's like my dad got a didgeridoo for Christmas and he's always playing it all the time and I'm like dad how about you didgeridon't <laughs> just savage sassy yeah Anyway, the, the, the zoom across, you see all this uh, nature stuff. And uh, right away, I need to talk about an issue I have uh, or had while I watched this, which is so the animals all can talk with each other. Yes. And they can talk with Cody. Yes. But they don't talk to anyone else. Nope. Some animals don't talk at all, like nope. the eagles. Yep. Um, but It's all no, over the board. And if it's just like Cody is special and he has a special connection to animals, like other animals don't even have to be told like he's one of the cool ones. We can talk to him. <laughs> yeah, like they just, they just start do it. And no one's like, well, you can understand us? Like it's yeah. not a Dr. Doolittle situation. Like No, they totally sidestep all of that. But that is also in line with the first Rescuers, which did the same shit. Yeah. All the animals can talk to each other and Penny, but the Penny, you know, the grown-ups don't understand them. And That's like true. the alligators in the swamp or whatever, they don't ever talk. Yeah, so but they're like, villains and beasts or whatever, like the eagle. The eagle, yeah. I don't know. So that part's a little bit odd and, and kind of difficult to keep straight. Joanna also doesn't really get to speak either, no. right? She just does those weird noises. <laughs> right, yeah. That's a well rough approximation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Call me close. Frank Welker Jr. Yeah. I'm right here. Well done. I'll do any animal you need. I'll What's a bird sound like? Caw. Okay. <laughs> Nailed it. This is a game I play with my 18-month-old son, but okay, Jake, what's a cow sound like? Moo. <laughs> Hire me up, Disney. What's a horse sound like? Frank Welker has more <laughs> more IMDb credits than, like, literally anybody, because anytime there is an animal that needs to voice, needs, we need animal sounds for this movie. Call him up. So like, he's like he the Police do... Academy guy for animal Basically, noises. yeah. And also the original voice of Freddy from Scooby-Doo. So, mm-hmm. okay. He's like, we got another he mystery got re- on our hands. replaced end. by Freddie Prince Jr. Yes, I suppose. But Noted raw writer Freddie Prince Jr. Right. So, Frank Welker, you know, a legend of voice acting. And unlike when we praised Jim Cummings, you know, in the past, I don't know if any weird, like, Me too problematics. Stuff yeah, I don't know if any of that's going to come out. I didn't know about Jim Cummings either, but. It's an unfortunate last name as for, I know, for Me Too yeah. stuff to come out about you. As far as I know, Frank Welker, no skeletons in his closet, so. But he could voice the skeletons if he had to. I'm sure he could. It'd sound like a xylophone. <laughs> What's a skeleton sound like? That's when it falls down. <laughs> so, bug opening. We got <laughs> bugs hanging out, and it's like, oh, quiet, peaceful scene. There's some jungle noises, and then all of a sudden we zoom across this field of flowers. And the, we do, yeah. The French horns are going wild. <laughs> the wild French horns yeah. of the Australian plains. And I wrote just a boy out doing boy stuff. Pretty much. We zoom in to this house on the middle of nowhere, just surrounded by desert mostly. 
And we got a boy in his room. He sleeps on a hammock covered in clothes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Even though there's kind of like a day bed under the window, but it's also got crap all over but it. But he's so. a free spirit. And boys, you know, they just sleep. They'd sleep in a closet if you let them. Our cousin did that once voluntarily. Mom tells him, ah, Cody, get up. Yeah, Something like that. Pretty much. He tries to uh, sneak out of the house and, uh, you know, we see his mom doing dishes or whatever in the background. Do we? I don't remember. And this may be a stretch because I don't remember. Mm. Do we see what the mom looks like at any point? Do we? No. Can no, I do I a Lady so. in the Tramp yeah. thing with her? Yeah, 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 I thought so. She's not important to the story. Because then we also show her later on in the movie when, like, they're saying we called off the search for yep. Cody and we, we don't, don't really see the oh, grown-ups yeah, yeah. there That's either. well done. I like that. Yeah. Grown-ups are not important to the story. Not except really. for, uh, except for the bad guy. Terry Funk. Yeah. <laughs> Dustin is convinced the bad guy of this film looks and acts like Terry Funk. I feel like if we would have cast... I mean, I'm sure George Scott is a big deal. Like, but if we'd have cast <laughs> Terry Funk, Oscar it would have been an even better movie. Sure. That he could even work. calls Joanna an egg sucking dog at one point. It's that true. happens. Mm-hmm. God damn it, I'm the funker. If you don't know who Terry Funk is, first of all, fuck you, and second of all, use the internet. Look it up. <laughs> uh yeah, so Cody tries to sneak out. Uh, his mom calls out to him after he's already outside, like, I know where you're going, what's the hang on, you're not getting away with this. Where are you going? He's like, I'm just going to mess around. I don't know what he says. I gave his uh Australian accent a four out of ten here. <laughs> It's like they threw in like a mate somewhere, but it really was not that close. Yeah. And it turns out, you know, kids Norwegian apparently. Yeah, so that would explain it. There's one Australian actor in this movie, but guess what? People don't know shit about Australia, so it works yeah, perfectly. It works fine. It's the same reason Crocodile Dundee got over. Is like, oh, this place is exotic. I watched a video once of actual Australians trying food from Outback, and that they sounds were very fun. fascinated by like the uh, <laughs> Bloomin' onion and yes. shit. And they were like, we don't eat this, but this is great. Well, <laughs> welcome aboard the America fat ass train. Yeah. There's plenty of room. So Not you, for long. Yeah. That's fat ass. He runs through the wilderness and uh, he hears a call that's coming from a, a kangaroo blowing into a log. That's yeah. a thing they can do. They. It's a powerful kangaroo. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's calling for help. And uh, yeah, the the fact that kids and, and animals can talk is never explained. But yeah, same as the previous movie. But is it all kids or is it just these two special lonely kids? And Who also knows? Penny had a sad ass life and we understood why she was lonely. But Cody's life seems okay. Like Yeah, he lives I mean, in the middle of nowhere with his mom. Right. He and seems I like a happy kid. He is a single mother or whatever, but like... Right. I don't feel like his life is bad necessarily compared to like Penny's. So. But um, he ends up in a bad situation. But it's again like boy out doing boy stuff, talking to animals and like, like trying to save using animals. his little pocket knife and like mm-hmm. doing all kinds of cool little little boy mischief. It's true. Except actually not mischief, actually helping. <laughs> right. It's a good thing. <laughs> Positive mischief. Oh, yeah. I don't know what we call that. <laughs> is there a word for that? Uh merit badge shit. I don't know. Okay, we'll go with that. The point is, there's some sort of existing network of, like, animal help going yeah, on. Midnight Bark. Basically, yeah, Twilight Bark. Twilight Bark. Damn it. You were close. But, yeah. Twilight Bark, I said on the first try. <laughs> but the We have can- edit powers. The kangaroo, I have edit powers, oh, so you can it. say anything. The kangaroo is calling specific- specifically for Cody's help. And, you know, there's other mice involved in this, too. And they're like, oh, and there's he's like, raises all the animals along the way. He wakes up the... Wombat. Wombat, there you go. Maybe. And a duckbill platypus. Maybe. And we just sort of threw some exotic there's wildlife on here. All your marsupials are involved. Pretty much. And, uh, yeah, there's the great eagle has been captured. Um, Manway. Marahute. All right. What, is Manway a thing? I don't know. What's a Hinway? No, that's a different <laughs> joke. Isn't it M-A-N-W-E? Isn't that a Tolkien thing? Or did I just make that up? 
Let me see what Manway is. Okay. Speaking of Tolkien, and this is a very self-indulgent story, me and Dustin like to play a, a NFL game from 15 years ago for the PS2, and we have a team, and we created a team at one point called the Midnight Birds, and you can name your coach on the team, and we needed a bird name to be the coach, and I didn't think of this in, but Marahute would have been a good answer. Instead, I said Gwaihir, who is the King of the Eagles in Lord of the Rings, and it's like, okay... Dustin was like, well, that's a good one. I was going to say big. Big bird. As that's in, a famous bird. Big bird. He's a bird leader. Okay. We'll go with your plan then. Manway is a Tolkien <clears throat> character, but it is a human, not a big bird. Gwaihir is the big bird. Fine. Manway. I may not be pronouncing uh, which that Which means right. blessed one was the leader of the Amur, one of the Eratar, king of the Valor, husband of Varda, brother of the Dark Lord Melkor, and Valar, king of Arda. He this was also known as shit. Sulimo and Manowenus and Vahiru, <laughs> and lived me. atop Mount Teniquitil in Valinor, the highest mountain of the world. Gandalf talks about the flame of Arnor. Yeah, that's, that's one thing. thing. Yep. All right, fine. Anyway, big I'm, ass eagle, and this is a thing I wrote in my notes. I said, let me just quote. Mm-hmm. I can't find it. <laughs> just quote. <laughs> uh, so giant eagle all tied up, uh, knocked over edge, saved by bird. I didn't question this when I was little, but why is the bird so big? He's a fucking pterodactyl, like pretty much. It, like I get, he's a big eagle. He is a the eagle, mythical but, like, eagle. It's huge for yes. no reason. Like, do I they have... have this kind of shit in Australia? Like, I know they have a million animals that can kill you in Australia, but like, not anymore. They all burnt. Sorry, yeah. too soon. Uh, <laughs> Time of recording. <laughs> right. Actually, maybe let's leave that bad. out. Anyway, okay. they got a lot of things in Australia that can kill you, and I didn't know they had giant Including eagles. the government. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> anyway, I'm assuming this eagle is based on nothing and was just made up. There's no real bird that's this okay. big and golden. Um, because, like, the albatross is supposed to be a large bird, too, but he's dwarfed by, it's true. by uh, Mara, Marahute. Marahute. You were right the first Marahute. time. Marahute. <laughs> yeah, Marahute. <laughs> I Mahute, you go, you fly, and we gonna get those eggs, Mahute, from that mean terrifunk. Okay, sorry, earliest dusty we've ever gotten into in an episode. The main thing to take away from these early scenes is like the excitement, the exhilaration, and the quality of the animation of like this massive bird, you know, bright mm-hmm. colors, all that kind of shit. Uh, we glossed over Cody climbing up this cliff by himself and it's scary and he gets to the top and then you just see the reveal of this huge bird that's tied up he cuts her free but she knocks him off and you see him like windmill windmilling backwards in slow motion as he falls off the cliff and then you know the bird luckily soars down and saves him but it's all very exhilarating and uh i never there's new fancy fucking technology that came out in terms of animation and this was the first film to use it we are not animation people i don't know how that shit works but it looks great this movie looks quite good most of the time some of the 3d's a little iffy i wonder if uh some of the flying stuff here inspired (laughs) what we would do with um aladdin later on Mm -hmm. with the whole new world and and i would assume so probably Like some of the stuff like flying super high above the clouds and, and stuff. 
Also, compare this opening we just got of exciting music. Here's your opening character. He's climbing a cliff. He's going to save this eagle. Flying, falling back. Eagle dives, catches him, sailing through the air. Compare that to here's Penny on a ship. She's going to throw a bottle. And Actually, then I was here's some say, matte paintings of a bottle. That's my favorite scene in The Rescuers is sure. the opening. Like, <clears throat> here we got this dramatic-ass opening. Like, why would a little girl need to put a message in a bottle? And, like, this in seems, a swamp. In a swamp. This Where the bottle won't leave. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh sure where there's not like a current or anything mm. uh but it does seem like you know like the only interesting thing in the rescuers is that opening scene whereas this is uh riveting from from the start and continues to be so i think most of the way through mm-hmm. and then again uh, behind all this uh the score is quite good and quite exhilarating while this is going on and and we'll get into that this is a non musical there are no songs no sing-alongs at any point in this movie um and i think it's only the second one we've had in, in disney like that i think the first was black cauldron and then this but that will obviously work against it with its ranking and everything because we're grading these on how disney are all these films disney you gotta have fucking sing-alongs like that's what that's disney true. is at its best and they're not present in this the most sing-alongable song from the original is the rescue aid society theme sure sure you're that right. gets a little callback when we get to that scene yeah, in, in the nice. score which i caught um but yes there were still even background songs in rescuers which was something to to hang your hat on at least it wouldn't hang it very high because it was a pretty <laughs> no, that's true pretty weak you could i mean one of them got nominated for an oscar like, yeah it's kind of a big deal whatever yeah it was a shitty song though mm-hmm. anyway so after the long flight uh she takes him back to her nest and shows them her eggs mm-hmm. which i feel like is something you would only do with someone you really trusted and he's already proved himself uh, by by saving her confirming and this is a female bird i would say deadbeat dad bird but it's actually just dead dad bird yeah well, maybe <laughs> he's he not around to death we don't know how that happened might but, have been uh yeah and so she shows him the eggs and she's able to understand him she can't actually speak back to him but, right there's but communication have, you know the, the bird has conversation some, some personality too like yeah. you know we could see her head doing weird bird shit like yeah. turning upside and she, like, down tosses him curious. around and like tickles him and stuff while they're flying yep. mm-hmm. and and like uh cody asks like are they gonna hatch soon and she does like the equivalent of a shrug with bird feathers like Mm -hmm. you know they did a lot with the animation to make this you know both seem this bird seem massive and majestic but also have some character to it which is pretty impressive yeah so eventually cody leaves and is on his way back home we see a wanted poster right we see a wanted poster and then he falls into a gigantic tiger pit like mm-hmm. i get that you they need to be deep enough that the critter can't climb back out right but this one is way deep it's like, a lot of digging he fell Although into a canyon he, he does like, have a weird bulldozer vehicle thing i suppose that's true but it is very deep right yeah and he he's coming back he finds a field mouse in a trap that's tied up and it's like oh hang on little fella i'll help you and the mouse is like no no it's a trap it's a trap get out of here and then he collapses um and then we see you know sort of our our first look at our villain uh mcleach here and he's pretty immediately intimidating because we cut to you know oh he fell in a trap and then we hear see this like siren going off or whatever and then it cuts to a radar and like this green vehicle like he's underlit and you just see his hands and it's right away like (laughs) like yeah right away it's pretty scary the vehicle makes a ton of noise and like shakes very rattly yeah Mm -hmm. we get a cute thing where like the after he falls in the pit the mouse is all like thanks and then runs off yeah hey wait a minute is trying to help him we find out later Mm -hmm. um but it is cute when it happens reminds me of the little bunny from uh muppet christmas carol for some reason i don't know why yeah i can but, see that the voice probably mm-hmm. um yeah so our villain mcleach is driving some sort of jeep 
crane hybrid with a big cage on the back. Um, and he's also got a scary lizard named Joanna. And Joanna is scary for approximately five seconds. And then the rest of the movie, goofy comedy. When he arrives and discovers that it's a little boy that he's trapped, he instantly tries to deny what this looks like. He says, right. oh, you don't understand. It's my lizard. She dug this hole. I don't Joanna, know why. Joanna, you've been digging holes again. Lizards are crazy. Like, this is not what it looks like. I'm, you know, not right. what I seem. And the little boy's not falling for it. He calls him a poacher right away. Right. I think there's a moment of hesitation with McLeach there. Like, he's like, oh, what do we got? Uh... I don't remember what all animals, a razorback or a big fat. And then he's like, it's a boy. And he's like, oh. And then he's standing there with a gun pointed at this boy and having to think, is this going to be a problem for me? (laughs) But his first instinct is not to kill the boy, even though later on that's what he considers doing at this point. At least not to shoot the boy. To deny. For evidence reasons. Well, at this point, he's just presumably letting the boy go until he sees the eagle feather. Exactly. Um I will say, uh, before we move on further into the plot of the movie, one of the things we've enjoyed in previous Disney movies is the way that they have sort of divvied up the villain role um, as a way by giving him like a sidekick or a partner in some way who gets to be goofy and gets to... The Iago of the bunch. Right, and Iago, uh, even though we haven't done Aladdin yet, or basically the role of a heel manager in wrestling. Yes. Where, like, gets beaten up every now and then, or he gets to look foolish every now and then, but meanwhile, the villain continues to look tough all the way through so that the the heat stays on him or whatever. And so that's what we're doing here, where where Joanna gets to be silly and look foolish and fall on her ass all the time. McLeach does a lot of that himself, too, but Joanna does do more of it. Right. The best villains can be scary and silly a bit at the same time. Right. We saw some of that with Ursula as well. Yeah. Um, I guess we started this with, like, Hook Hook, Hook and Smee, yeah. where yeah. Smee got to be totally ridiculous. They're basically Hook Although and Hook, Smee. Hook is pretty crazy, too, though. Like, right. I'd say Hook is more goofy than McLeach. But yeah, so uh, right away we get, uh, you know, he's, he's going to try to help Cody. He's like, he hands in the gun as a way to, like, you know, grab a hold. I'll pull you out of this hole. And then he's like, why don't you just run along? We forget this ever happened. But then Joanna, being an idiot, uh, <laughs> jumps and tries to eat the mouse that is now climbing on uh, McLeach, which knocks McLeach in the hole. Mm. And so now he's like, God, conflab litter, lizard or whatever, but uh, oversized iguana. <laughs> and then he gets ready to shoot her. And when he's looking through the, uh, the scope is when he sees the feather that, uh, by the way, Cody just got a feather from Marahute before she before he left. So now he's got that on his backpack, and McLeach sees that and is like, "Okay, well, you know, tell me about this feather. Where'd you get this?" And then you know, he realizes it's not a, not a secret because uh, you know McLeach is the one that got the father, and he pulls out another feather. So you know, Cody knows, and he's gonna say, "Well, I'll never tell you where she's at." And right away, it's looking like we got a hostage situation here. It's true. Throws her in the back of his truck. And... Oh, and then there's some great villainry here when it's like, hey, you're a poacher. I'm not going to tell you where this bird is. I'm going to call the rangers. And immediately McLeach is like, oh, oh no, the rangers. not the rangers. Oh, mama, don't call the rangers. And then he like throws his backpack out. And this might be a different scene, but he throws his backpack out over the waterfalls into the croc, croc falls, as it's called, where the crocodiles live. Um and he even says, like, oh, my baby boy got eaten by a crocodile. And so we know, like, yeah, actually, kid, you're fucked. Um, you're definitely going to be written down as just a missing child out in the outback. Right. And uh, no comeuppance is going to come to McLeach for this. So uh, as he drives away with Cody in his truck, the mouse goes off to a uh, local telegraph place yes. mm-hmm. and sends word to the Rescue Aid Society <clears throat> about what's happened. It bounces from place to place before finally making it to uh, to New York. Right, and this is what's good is where, you know, the 
premise of this movie is already set whereas we went through rescuers going like well we have to establish the rescue aid society and establish penny we did more rescue aid society but not enough and then uh you know so now we already know these characters we know this whole situation uh, we know the title of the film so we know where it's going <laughs> so like we see the uh we get to focus better on the kid at the beginning to set things up and then we're mostly with the uh rescue aid society going from there who we already know about so that's already a a better setup basically because it's way more show and less tell because we got a lot of tell in the uh, the rescuers but this we see the whole situation and now it's like all right we got to get bernard and bianca on this so they they get the message they call an emergency meeting everyone attends except bernard and bianca we cut to them at a fancy restaurant right the uh, message by the way i know you got to be brief with an sos message telegrams and all that kind of stuff but the only message says boy kidnapped in australia (laughs) australia pretty big fucking place true i would imagine there's a lot of boys there also like why is this a job for the rescue aid society are they local previous thing that has been done like why are these mice in charge of this like human authorities could have taken care of this like why why is this where we went well the rangers are gonna write it off as dead boy in the water they didn't know he was missing like I don't know. They didn't know he was kidnapped. Why didn't we alert them? How would we even tell the humans? That's humans true. don't we know shit. We can't talk to humans. But we have telegraph powers. Why didn't we telegraph the humans? <laughs> but we didn't. And, uh, yeah, so we cut to, uh, Bernard and Bianca are having a nice romantic dinner. Uh, we do a lot more, like, little world, big world stuff going mm-hmm, on with this because mm-hmm. we see it's a fancy restaurant of humans, but up in the skylights or whatever, there's a bug restaurant that's being run and, you know, one of the waiters drops a pea, and then the little bug goes, oh, pea soup, and then he puts it in, like, a thimble that they're boiling it in, and some salt, and then they you know, we see bug waiters carrying out pea soup, and that's cool. We didn't get a whole lot of that in the uh, first Rescuers, and we, we liked it when it was a thing in The Great Mouse Detective, so mm-hmm. it was good seeing that again. Yes, it is nice. And Bernard is nervous. Uh, he is planning to propose to Bianca. We know some mm-hmm. time has gone by. Uh, between what well, we know in our world a long time has yeah, gone like by 15 years <laughs> between the previous movie and this one but presumably some time has gone by for them as well right um he's ready to propose to her but he's nervous about it he ends up dropping the ring it's a whole thing we get a it's foot- bouncing across yeah. the floor and then some you know silly mishaps ensue where he's like oh bianca will you will you uh will you excuse me for a minute and then he crawls away and notices it goes under a table while he's getting it from under the table, uh, Bianca gets a message. She understands uh, what the situation is with the kidnapped boy. Right. When Bernard comes back, he thinks that... She's like, oh, uh, did you talk to Francois? And he's like, what, Francois? Don't worry about it. And it's like, oh, well, I think of course we should go. Uh, my answer is yes, Francois asked for me. And then Bernard's like, Francois, how did he know? How did he ask? Right, so Bernard <clears throat> thinks that she's saying yes to his proposal, right. but then it turns out... Um, it's actually yes to another mission, and they're going to Australia. Like, and they oh, need to well, leave right how does away. next April sound? Right. No, we must leave tonight. Tonight? Don't you need a gown? No, just some hiking boots. <laughs> hiking boots? Yeah, it's pretty silly. Uh, Bernard goes through a pretty big change over the course of this movie. We saw him mostly as just nervous guy in the first movie. He's still nervous here, but as the movie goes on, he gets to become like the hero, which is yeah. a good change to see, especially since it played out over the course of two movies. It's... He's braver when pushed to his limits and when his right. uh, fiance is in danger. And when he thinks someone's horning in on his girl. That too. Which is coming later. Um... But they have to fly out immediately. There's a massive snowstorm. They go to see Orville, but... Orville's Bad gone. news, Orville died in between production. When uh, you wait 15 years to make a sequel, these 
things tend to happen. I say bad news. It's actually a massive it's, benefit it's to the film. <laughs> I mean, tough break for whoever the guy is, but Jim something. All right, well, tough break for Jim something and his family, but John fucking Candy's in this movie, so we upgraded. Also deceased, but... Well, not... sure, but not yet. Like, right. And John Candy, great. Name a role John Candy's in that you don't go like, man, I'm so happy I'm watching I've this movie. I've never been upset to see John Candy no, in a film. No, he's fucking awesome. He's, when he's a star in the film, it's great. When he just shows up as a side character, like Home Alone or Blues Brothers or something, it's like, mm-hmm. oh shit, John Candy's here. This yeah. is great. Oh, he's amazing in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, mm-hmm. where like... Yeah, he's supposed to be annoying or whatever, but he brings a certain amount of like, uh, you know, pathos to the yeah, to the part as well. Affable, but, yeah. Um, the cute little, I mean, the part at the end where like, I haven't been home in years, and you figure it's plane, trains, and automobiles. Great movie, people. If you've never watched even, it, even uh, you know his later films, uh, Cool Running. Thank you, the bobsled one. Like that's on paper, that's a silly kids movie, but John Candy adds a lot of weight to it. That's, like, that's not <laughs> what I meant, but he does. Because he's fat. Man, that's how he died. Yeah. Well, and cocaine. Yeah. Cocaine is also, a big part of it. That cocaine's harder on you when you're fat too. That's, I think. I mean, sure. Your heart can only take so much. Fair enough. But anyway, John Candy, hot take, great actor. Right. Yeah. Massive snowstorm. John Candy. <laughs> snowstorm. John Candy. Cocaine. Uh, May I just say, enchanté, señorita, to you. Right. Uh, then I said, he's so great. I wish he'd live longer. <laughs> yeah. So that's a downer. But he understands they want to book a flight, so right away he goes into salesman mode. Uh, he tries to book them a vacation to Australia. Um, and then they're like, no, we can't go next summer. We have to go now. And he's like, oh, don't you want to? They got these little in-flight drinks. They were all provided by us. You know, got these little plastic umbrellas. And it's like, no, Wilbur, we must leave. You know. But then he's like, we can't leave. It's suicide out there. But then she mentions there's a little boy in trouble. And this isn't really a subplot that gets gone into much, but I, there's sort of like a fatherly kind of thing with uh, Wilbur in this movie with like, he's not interested when he hears like, oh, a little little kid kind of boy. It's hurt. Yeah, no, he's, that, he's supposed to be playing cookies and milk, playing, having <laughs> cookies and milk and playing games and having fun. We got to, who could do this? We got to help. Right. Them. And later on, he sits on the eggs. Right. And, and hatches know. the little baby chicks. And then he says, you know, sort of melts his heart or whatever before they bite him. Um <laughs> So I wonder if that was like a dropped subplot that we, you know, might have come up during writing of the film or something. Before we started recording today, we didn't discuss the film too much, but Jake pointed out something to me that should have been obvious, which is the two birds. Yes. Names are Orville and Wilbur, and that didn't mean anything to me, but it's the Wright brothers. <laughs> the they invented twins. flying Popcorn makers. <laughs> they invented flying. Yes. Obviously. <laughs> have you ever seen the movie Michael? Where John Travolta no. plays an angel. No. Uh, well, he makes claims throughout the movie that he invented various things because he's also a liar. But um, he invents, uh, he says he invented standing in line. <laughs> and uh, it's like before that, everyone just kind of stood around. <laughs> and they were like, stood around where? And he's like, to get in. <laughs> like, to get into heaven is what he's talking about since he's an angel. But like, he invented standing in line. So the movie's good, though. It's good stuff. I don't recommend a lot of John Travolta stuff. But, I wouldn't imagine. But uh, for a 90s John Travolta movie, check out Michael if you haven't, people in the audience. So Wilbur is now motivated. Okay, we're going to fly out tonight. We got to... Don't worry about the weather. We got to get in... Uh get in shape get ready for this do a little stretching okay and a couple of these and he gets down to do a push-up and immediately like okay one's enough yeah, maybe uh, just one of those <laughs> that's funny um that's relatable is what that is yes <laughs> um so then they they take off in the big storm uh 
you know, just like their previous slide, it's very scary for mm-hmm. Bernard, uh, less so for Bianca. <laughs> right. Um, Wilbur says, no, we got to find a bigger bird if we're going to go that far or whatever. Is this a nonstop flight to Australia? Yeah. Who do you think I am? Charles Lindbergh? We so, might say Lindbergh to make it a bird bun. I don't really know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so we're getting ready to fly out into the snowstorm here. Um, and there's a there's a line here I had wondered how long it would hang around. Did you watch this one on Disney Plus by any chance? I did. Okay. So he as they're getting ready to head out and, you know, this being very Australian themed, he goes, tie your kangaroos down, sports fans. It's time to go or whatever. Uh, obviously a reference to tie me kangaroo down sport, which is like a big hit song from the 60s or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, just off the top, uh, just out of curiosity, was that line in your version? Yeah. Okay, I had wondered, because the guy who wrote that song uh, is a pedophile oh. and is in jail. Well, um, okay. I right. did not I, uh, Yeah, I didn't know, like, timeline of any of this sort of stuff, because I didn't know if, like, oh, well, I wonder if he did that, like, after uh dude was already locked up or something or rolf yeah. harris is the guy's name but apparently it was a 2014 arrest so well then how would no that's why i'm thinking because disney <clears throat> plus uh there's been ongoing i'm sure people are cataloging this but like edits and things that have been cleaned up or taken out or that kind of stuff from disney's films you know True. uh there's been, or, and the TV shows and stuff. I, I've, I've glanced through it, not being a subscriber. I haven't been able to catch all this stuff. But there's been really weird shit that's been just edited out for looking weird. And just, like, anything that might be sort of, like, symbolic or, like, looks, like, religious or whatever might be changed. Or, like, symbols and that kind of stuff, I know. There there are some things that are on there, like, in their original form. And it has, like, a warning message on there right, or whatever. Yeah. Because, like, one of the older teachers at my school was trying to tell me about it. And, like, she was really offended that they put the warning on How there. How like, Apologize. And so I tried to convince her, while not outright arguing with her, about, like, well, yeah, but what they were doing before was just, like, not showing it at all or removing those things. Like, this is actually progress to put the warning on there but leave it intact like that's a good compromise compared to just totally removing it um and something that the uh the bugs bunny the warner brothers people have been doing with old bugs bunny cartoons for a while right and we've covered like this is not like a weird thing for them to put in this script in 1991 or whenever this comes out um like it made sense at the time but i could see anyone you know whoever they got scrubbing through this shit uh catching that and being like uh we don't want to associate with this song or this person or whatever uh rolf harris convicted in 2014 of the sexual assault of four underage girls which effectively ended his career think about that when you're thinking about timey kangaroo down sport <laughs> Tanned his hide when he died, Clyde, and that's it, lying in the shed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so then we jump out and we go. It's just as scary as it was with the flight. Uh, you know, Bernard's terrified, just the same as in the first Rescuers when they're, you know, they're flying out into the city here. There's some pretty iffy 3D here with the buildings and the snowstorm. There's more of that when we get to Australia, because the first thing we fly by is the Sydney Opera House, which looks kind of just out of place in the the 3d model of that with the 2d animation blended together is a little iffy yeah part of it looked better than others but i liked you know the inclusion of um, right and it's like we said in uh oliver and company it's like we got these new tools like we got to play with them to you know figure out what we can and can't do and that kind of stuff agreed mm-hmm. so yeah now we uh we obviously can't do a non-stop flight to Australia, even though uh, Bianca suggests that. <laughs> but no, we have to hook up with a bigger bird. So then we cut to them sleeping in the cargo hold of an airplane. 
Bianca and Bernard wake up first. It's like, oh, hey, I think we need to wake up Wilbur here. And Wilbur, of course, rolls over and right, smashes forgets him. about them being an, attached to him. Right. Oh, I think I slept on a bolt. <laughs> <laughs> and then they dive out of the plane, and it's a real, like, cannonball kind of moment. And more exciting flight. And Right. As they approach the runway, they discover it's not going to be big enough for them. Uh, well, we, we introduce two new characters, the only Australian actor in the movie. <laughs> Right. We did skip over a scene. Oh, do we skip over? Oh, yeah, we, we go back to the Double Cross Ranch. Yes. <laughs> we got to cut to McLeach singing a Heel Home on the Range parody. Yeah. Like, did you write down the lyrics? That's to... some great... Uh, the, the critters are tied up in chains. Yep. It's, it's, you know, something to uh, rip out their spines and... I don't know. Well, I don't know either. That uh, next day I do it again. That's some great villain shit. Like, no one's... Ursula wasn't doing that shit. <laughs> That's a good point. Like, not only is this guy a dick, but how much does he love being a dick and singing about it? So, takes him back to the Double Cross Ranch, ties him up with the other endangered species that he has uh, captured but not yet killed. I don't know why he's... I had wondered that. Maybe some of them can sell for more For exotic, alive. to people who want exotic pets or whatever. Probably. I don't know. Maybe he's busy. They're all <laughs> scheduled to be killed. I don't know. Could be. He's just one... It seems to be a one-man operation. It's true. So, you know, you he's got a lizard to help, but... But then, yeah, now we... Uh are arriving uh to this uh i guess airport uh but run by a mouse um we a mouse meet, and a fly yeah who's playing checkers jake and sparky mm. jake is the only australian man in the film also i always love jake because i can't remember a lot of jakes in films growing up and as that's my name i always had a connection with him so i feel like facially he looks a lot like uh basil from the great mouse detective yeah i could see that I mean, he's in a different outfit, clearly. Um, right, but, yeah. Because he's in the Outback. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jake's in movies. It's like this guy and Keenan's friend in the beginning part of Good Burger. <laughs> and Big Jake, the John Wayne movie. Yeah, well, I didn't watch that growing up. <laughs> okay. That didn't come till later. But uh, we get some silly runway stuff where, you know, Wilbur's calling in like, oh, you know, I need, I'm looking for clearance. I'm coming in to land. Uh, this is Albatross 1. He's like, Albatross? Well, we don't have room for you. It's a jumbo. And so they start to lower some roof panels here and there. And basically, after a lot of calamity, he's able right. to skid to a stop. Yeah, it was silly. Like, they got to put up a clothesline. And then he ends up with a bra on him. And then he comes to a stop. And he's like, oh, here, this. Hold this, pal. And then drops it on Jake, who gets sent flying backwards from the tension in the line. It's a bunch of silly stuff. Um, and then, uh, we get to see Jake's like, oh, these crazy yanks, like, they think they could just do whatever they want, and then he immediately sees Miss Bianca, and is like, okay, I am happy to help now. Right. So, that, that sort of becomes, like, the, I'd say the C plot of the film is, like, Jake being in, in love with Bianca, and Bernard getting a bit jealous of that, and, and then we have, like, the D plot of the film would be what goes on with Wilbur after this, where he gets, uh, injured, he hurts his back, and then he has to go, uh, he has to go straight to the hospital. Mm -hmm. He hurts his back picking up Bianca's bags, by the mm -hmm. way. Which is like the one, like, women packing all kinds of clothes kind sure, of joke Sure, but we have happens. already established he has a bit of a bad back from the push-ups earlier in the movie. True, but... and sleeping on a bolt. Yeah. But, uh, so it's yeah. not just Bianca's clothes. Now that I bring it up, Bianca seems pretty vastly different from the first movie in terms of like, oh, but I might wrinkle my dress. You know, like, there's none of that shit. Right, so sometime, her. we assume, is you know, has gone by. Right. And either she's gotten more used to adventuring or writers 15 years later went, you know, these uh, women jokes aren't really playing anymore. Yeah, maybe more she... likely they just <laughs> yeah. thought maybe she grew up a little. Yeah, maybe. 
I don't know how much growth happened there. Right. So he <laughs> but goes... now she just, you know, is an adventurer and does this shit. Hiking boots, you know, that's her right. character. But it's not like, oh, women don't act this way, so this is something to point at. No, it's just kind of a thing that happens. So they send Wilbur, Wilbur to the hospital, and mm-hmm. he gets a big shot in his butt. And we, I, was, I wrote down, does this count as a milligrams. butt? Does this count a butt thing? I'd say definitely. Yeah, well, I mean, mm-hmm. it at least is like an actual, like, reason for it to be his butt. Like, that's where right. you would give a shot. But mm-hmm. we, for those who are new to the show, like, uh, we've been tracking some weird Disney butt things along the way. More of them happened lo- when yeah. Walt was still alive. There's a lot of butt in, humor. Yeah. It must, been a, it must have been a thing that they knew Walt would like and they tried to work in mm-hmm. to various uh, scenes. But this is after Walt's death and they're still keeping it alive. It's true. Um, but yeah, the, the medical mice here to take care of Wilbur. I remember watching this film on it was either disney channel or perhaps disney jr and some of these scenes were like edited because they were too intense i guess Mm. like with the what is it that they call the chainsaw the epidermal tissue disruptor or whatever he's like no and you hear a chainsaw cranking up like that was comedic but for disney channel at two in the afternoon or whatever they were like that's a little too frightening so they just like cut out some scenes the same thing happens in a minute when uh Cody is getting interrogated and getting knives thrown at him by mm, McLeach. Yeah, that is a thing. Yeah, so that I remember seeing these and I'm like, oh yeah, they cut some shit. But you know, I didn't know we were too worried about the little kids watching with that because I guess we weren't for a film release. But Saturday morning TV, a little different, I guess. While the surgery is going on, Jake and uh, Bernard complete compete for Bianca's attention. Mm-hmm. Where Jake finds the snake for them to ride around on, and Bernard stuck at the end of it. And just barely hanging on right well he's also uh you know jake sort of invites himself he's like you guys can't follow this map you need a guide you know Mm -hmm. you need to follow uh you go by satan's ridge or over a suicide trail and and he's like what suicide trail good choice there's more snakes but less quicksand (laughs) and then he's like you know sort of uh smooth talking bianca while he's folding up their map and shit he's like oh i'd be happy to come along and be your guy and he hands the map to bernard who's just kind of dumbfounded and to a couple off. of americans this is just what we assume australia is like generally just all you know yeah. suicide trail yeah. dead dingo pass devil's taint whatever <laughs> all those Obviously. things mm-hmm. but then uh you know he sort of just walks off and leaves bernard there holding the map and then bernard's just like guy doesn't even know how to fold a map <laughs> i always thought that was funny then we go back to the Double Cross Ranch, where mm-hmm. Cody will not talk uh, during this interrogation. He's being very strong. Yeah, I don't think we made it to the snake part yet, because right no. now they're uh, traveling. They're traveling on a flying squirrel, where they like. Oh yeah. End up on a bush, and then launched. Bernard's trying yeah. to hang onto the back, and he gets launched That's and true. comes out covered in like the spiky gumball things. I don't know what they're called. I always called them gumballs growing up. Because those little yeah, right, yeah I know what you're they fall about. out yeah, of a tree. The audience, the little spiky things that fall out of trees. I don't know what they are. We're not rugged outdoorsmen. What did you call them growing up, audience? Tweet us. Yeah, let us know if we're dumbasses. PC. The PC stands for podcast. Um, But yeah, it's easy to see where we get uh, mixed up with this because I noticed this movie, uh, maybe it's due to lack of sing-along songs and stuff, but we jump around a lot. Like, we jump to a scene, and we're only there for, like, a minute and a half, maybe, and then we jump to a new scene. It's just like, reminder, this is what this character is doing. Reminder, here's yeah. Wilbur still tied up. I and... guess it's supposed to, like, increase the stakes. Like, if you can see, so. you know, Cody's in danger here, and, right. like, 
Um, but meanwhile, they're, you know, trying to get their shit together over here, but, like, he's still being tortured here, and, like, yeah. all this is still going on, and then later we show his mom, and, like... Yep, that's true. But it, it just seemed a little odd, like, formatting-wise, or maybe not odd, but just different from what we've done previously. But, yeah, now now we go back to uh, Cody still, he's tied up by, uh, he's tied up by McLeach, and McLeach is asking him, he's like, all right, where's this, uh, you know... Where's this eagle at? Is she over at this place? And throws a knife at a map that just happens to be right where Cody's at. And yeah, it's uh, pretty intimidating. And this is a scene where I really thought, um, comparing to the first film, uh, Cody being slightly older than Penny helps a lot. Because Penny is just so young. She has to be like, well, I don't understand. Like, But Cody can be like, you'll never get away with this. I'll never tell you. Like, And that, I don't know, raises the stakes a lot more. Like, he's old enough to know that McLeach is no good and will refuse to help him. Where Penny is just, like, really totally helpless. But ironically is less likable because of that. Because it's like, she she can't stand up for herself. I don't care. But you side with Cody because he's like, yeah, way to go, kid. You know, don't stand up or don't give in to this uh don't stand up to this guy <laughs> well and we've already seen cody like be a good person and help yeah. animals and stuff and climb like, a fucking mountain Penny, like she's just some orphan like <laughs> oh no you don't have parents like, i get it that sucks but like i don't know maybe you should climb a cliff and get out of here <laughs> oh okay cody could have done it yeah it's true either way he's uh threatening him with some knives and then it's you know He's still not getting any help out of him, so he locks him up. Gets mad. Says he's going to step up the torture the next day. Pretty much. Um, and now we're wrangling a snake. Uh, right, because well, the snake interrupts. Right. Bernard, Bernard's going to propose. Bernard you know? sees another opportunity. He's alone with Bianca. He has a chance to propose, and it's all nice and quiet. He realizes he better hurry, because she seems like she might be paying a little bit of attention to Jake. Right. But then that's when Jake cock blocks him. He pops <laughs> up, and he's got a snake that he's, like, lassoed and is trying to uh, get the snake to help out. And he's really, like, abusive towards the snake, but it's, he's just trying to make his, uh, uh, he's trying to be firm, I guess, to get the snake's attention and say, no, you're going to help us. And he's, like, shaking his head and he's like, no, you're not going to give me any trouble, right? And scares the snake into helping out. For some reason, and I don't think this is an actual scene, it's just a thing I invented in my mind, just not liking Jake, I guess. Okay. But it's just, like, that he and the snake, like, talked before this happened, and they were like, all right, you pretend to be kind of wild, <laughs> and then I'm like, but we're, like, we're cool the whole time, like... And that this was, they were just, what know, does the snake get out of that faking exchange? all this? Because, I mean, they're friends. They're friends. They're friends help each other. You don't know about friends? <laughs> I do. Apparently, I don't know about love from the previous movie, but. <laughs> yeah, no, just a lot of negative things we learned about Jake in the uh, previous episode. If you haven't checked it out in our archives, Little Mermaid, Jake has some interesting thoughts about love and marriage. I'm happily married, audience. Uh, now we're back to Cody, and uh, he's locked up with a bunch of other animals in cages. Uh, there's an obnoxious lizard here named Frank. Oh, he is awful. He is, and uh, this is very much a for the kids kind of yeah. character and scene. But I, there's also a koala in the corner who's just like very uh, very skeptical. Yeah, sarcastic. He's very funny. His voice, by he is voiced by the same guy that voices the Sultan in Aladdin. Mm, yeah, that's true. So he's a lot of fun. It's just you know the peanut gallery to this lizard being like. I know what I'll do. I'll, we just got to get the key. It's, oh, is that all? We better start packing our bags. You know? And, you know, so some silly stuff happens, whereas uh, they come up with a sort of a claw thing that they're going to use, like tie together with a hook with some shoelace. And 
everybody work together, gang. We can do this, and they're going to get the key. Because Frank's the... original plan is to try to mold his tail into the shape of the key and unlock it that that's way. That's what actually works. Well, right, but he suggests it here, and everyone goes, "That's dumb. That'll never work." And that's when Cody's like, "Why don't we just get the key then?" Like, but that was his original plan, and then you're right. That's what they go back to. Right, later. Joanna at this point goes through the little doggy door and sees their what escape attempt going on and immediately tears it to pieces um joanna by the way uh i don't know if you managed to look this up but uh her species of lizard is no i don't know yeah so it's an australian lizard uh that's actually called a goanna (laughs) and Mm. so that's why her name is that they never say that during the movie because mcleach normally refers to her as like some other animal than what she is like a overgrown iguana or like a ugly salamander or something but it's a species of the genus Veranus found in Australia and Southeast Asia. So, huh. mm-hmm. well, okay. I believe a Komodo dragon is also the same kind of thing. Veramus, Veramus. Is that not the same thing? Sure. That's a movie I'd never watched. Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah. It was pretty good. <laughs> Wasn't like groundbreaking, but, you know, if you like Queen. At some point previous, uh, Jake told you about. Uh, Terry Funk throwing the the bag into the crocodile pit. His name is McLeach, but yes. And so now, uh, back at Cody's mom's house, uh, the Rangers arrive and they tell her, you know, we found this bag. We're not we're not going to search for your boy anymore. Right. Calling like, off the search. He got knocked off. You should quit reading the news. Like, <laughs> what? That's from Anchorman. But, oh. uh, but just I like, yeah, we found now. this. Your boy's dead. Bye. I mean, <laughs> we're not going to we're do not gonna look for your really? boy anymore. Like, like we found a the boy's backpack in the river torn up by crocodiles. Like right. that's enough and reason get, to call off the make search. This, I like sadder think. than it has to be, but I don't. I feel like the ranger was very like short with it. Yeah. We found this bag. We're not gonna look anymore. I don't think they say anything in the scene, do they? Aren't they just like? Oh no, no! You hear the radio going, explaining in the background. Yeah, he just passes it off. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, in my head, that's what he says. <laughs> yeah. We found this bag. Uh, we're not gonna look. Your boy's probably dead by it. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Um, and now we're, we got back with the mice again. They're riding on some lightning bugs. Uh, that's pretty much the whole scene. Cause now we're back with Wilbur and uh, the doctors and you know, all these real short scenes, but, uh, we, there's some silly stuff where they like launch a cane into his back to like splint him or whatever. Mm. But he just goes, ah, I've been scored. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at this point we're grabbing all these scary looking tools and, uh, he's got his head in a vice as well. Yeah, I think so. I think at this point he breaks free as well. Uh, Wilbur does, and uh, ironically messes up the doctor's back in the process, and right. then you know escapes out the window and he's like, "I'm free! I'm coming to save y'all!" and all that kind of stuff. So we'll occasionally jump in with him again, but he doesn't really come up into the plot again for a while. Previously, McLeach, uh says he's going to keep Cody overnight and that he's really going to step up his torture game the next day. Mm. So then we cut to the next morning and he's got to have breakfast first. You got to have a healthy, uh, most important meal of the day for a heavy day of torture. Obviously. But I think this scene is so well done because like we talked so much uh, in the previous episode about uh, Ursula just doing exposition or whatever. And like films have to have exposition. Like that's how they work. Right. We need to know what the story is. Not every film can just start out with like the Star Wars text of like, this is the scene. And now we're growing like, right. Yeah. You know, you got to explain history and what's going on. And villains have to like figure out a plan and you need to see the villains figuring out a plan. And so with this scene, we have McLeach just like vocalizing like the boys, 
you know, everybody's got a weakness. The boy's got to have a weakness. So I just got to figure out what the weakness is. And then, you know, that way he'll tell me what about the eagle. But the boy's only got one weakness, and that is the eagle. And so, like, the whole time he's talking this through, he's also like, well, I can't just sit here and think. I got to have breakfast. I got to have eggs. So he's trying to make eggs while he's doing this. And while this is going on, you've got, you know, sort of the entertainment of the scene is Joanna trying to steal the eggs from him. And, like, so we get... He's sitting there just sort of staring at the camera and we see Joanna popping up on one side and grabbing an egg when he's not looking. And then he, you know, turns his head like, what? Uh, okay. And then, you know, he eventually figures out what's going on and then, you know, catches her like hand in the cookie jar, as he says. And so like, it's, it's all really entertaining, but also we're going somewhere and it leads somewhere sinister too, because Mm -hmm. like he gets through all this and just spoilers she eats all of the eggs while right. he's doing this and, and denies then, it right and he's about to get mad and he's like i give you you know badger egg badgers don't lay eggs <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what kind of ostrich eggs he names Maybe. multiple animals and he's like well i even give you eagle eggs but that's it and then we get this big this close-up on his face with his big yellow eyes and you know looking really scary and he's like the eagle's eggs that'll do it and so we Something happens in the scene, but also we made it entertaining enough throughout the way, you know? Right. And it creates dramatic irony for later on when he releases Cody and mm-hmm. says he's already killed the mom. Like, we know. What's actually happened. And right. when Cody goes towards the eggs, we're like, oh, oh no. Exactly. It's yes. audience engagement. Right. Maybe this just comes from, like, I remember all my fucking writing classes in co- college where it's like, you know, a lot of times the, like problems or scenarios we'd be doing is like you just need to have two characters in a room talking and then make a scene around that and that's what a lot of our shit would be so like this is it's only one character in a room talking but it's two characters interacting and the plot moves forward all the same so like that sort of stuff uh, that sort of writing in films just always like gets my attention i guess i got a little sidetracked here because um i started wondering why some of the animals wear clothes and others don't similar to like why can some of them talk and but some of them can talk and don't wear clothes, and some of them can talk yeah. and do wear clothes, and so I was very, like, <coughs> puzzled a, by this at this point. A I, thing in Zootopia where there's, like, the naturists or all the naked animals, and they're I doing yoga or whatever. I've only seen that movie once. You know, that's the thing that happens. I don't know. I, I get the... I mean, it's just the rest... Well, Jake does too, right? They'd be the only ones. Uh, all the animals in cages one of, the, one of the animals in the cage has an outfit, I want to say. That's odd. Just like a Hawaiian shirt or some shit. Like, <laughs> I don't remember now. I know the lizard doesn't. I don't yeah. think the koala does. It's possible the kangaroo has like a scarf or something. I, I think he's tied up Maybe by his I'm neck, I thought. thinking about Kanga. <laughs> Kanga from Winnie the Pooh? Yes. Yeah, that could be uh, it. There are other animals that have clothes, though, along the way. Wilbur wears a hat. Like That's fair. And a scarf. Yeah. He wears a scarf. Okay, there you go. Somebody's got a scarf. Um, certain animals get to wear clothes and certain ones don't and there's not necessarily a pattern to it because it could just be like the ones that can't talk also don't wear clothes that would make sense like Joanna doesn't wear clothes and like uh, the eagles don't wear clothes or whatever but then uh, the lizard can talk and and I wish he couldn't but he can the mm. other lizard. There's more than one lizard, I know. Exactly. Uh, Joanna can not talk, but mm. Frank can Frank. talk. Frank looks like one of those uh, spitting dinosaurs. Yeah. That <laughs> takes out Newman. Newman. Yep. Damn it. I'm reading Jurassic Park for the first time, by the way, everyone. Yeah. I'll keep you posted. Does it's anyone pretty... kill Newman? No, Newman hasn't showed up yet. Oh. Also, I don't know what his real name is. So... We got Dotson here is all I can think of, but that's not his name. That's Dotson, the guy he's <laughs> talking to. 
Ah, 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 you didn't say the magic word. That's a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, it, in the next morning, Frank has opened the door with his tail. And he's like, I'm free. I can't believe it. And at this point, the koala's like, double or nothing. He'll be caught in five minutes. <laughs> and then they're like, no, go get something to stand on. And he gets like a one centimeter thick piece of wood and lays right. it down. So, Oh, man, I can't reach the keys, guys. And then he does push a box over to get the keys and he gets them, but they hit the ground and everyone's like, Frank, and he's like, these darn things are heavy. And he just kicks them to the floor and makes an even bigger noise. <laughs> it's a bunch of silly shit. And then Joanna shows up and we get a chase that also turns silly because like he'll, he starts riding Joanna and waving his tail around like a lasso. And then he hides on the other end of a shotgun and is like, oh no. Yeah, that's all unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I thought this scene was very similar to uh, in the first Rescuers when the uh, the mice were hiding in the pipe organ and the alligators were all playing it to like yeah. get him to fly out the top. It was similar to that and also there was like the same level of disinterest from the human characters at this bizarre thing. Like, because like, Funker arrives before <laughs> Cody can leave and lets the boy free and just whatever kind of shrugs his Shotguns shoulders. have been going off yeah. in this room 30 seconds prior. And he's just like, what are you doing out of your cage? Yeah. Like, that was it. Not even... It's the same thing as Medusa and, oh, just the alligators playing the organ. Nothing to see here. <laughs> so he lets Cody out of his cage at that point because he's no he has no reason to keep him mm-hmm. because he tells Cody that he's already gotten the mother now and right. so he has no business or no reason to keep him. And our mice trio have arrived at this point, too, so they get to see this taking place where, you know, McLeach's scheme is going out. He's kicking Cody out. He claims Marahute got shot out of the sky. He heard it on the radio this morning. So I got no reason to keep you. And then, uh, you know, he even says like, oh, it's a big shame about those eggs. Without the mother to watch them, they'll never survive. And then Cody takes off into the desert. And at this point, McLeach follows him in his stealth vehicle, (laughs) a giant Jeep that destroys entire trees. Cody's not, Cody thinks he's, you know, he's helping out. So he's trying to get there and not paying any attention to what's behind him. He's laser focused on what he's trying to do here. He's trying to go and protect the eggs. And, and then as uh, Cody is running away and McLeach is laughing at his plan, he says the line of the movie, which is, I didn't make it all the way through third grade for nothing. <laughs> so the mice, uh, you know, as he's leaving in his vehicle, the mice have to climb on board. And uh, while this is happening, Jake is kind of still doing all the hero adventure stuff. Like he's he gets up on the vehicle first and then he like throws a rope to him and they have to swing on the rope and he's reeling them in. Um, it's pretty intense in the like animation of the vehicle all looks very good too like there's not any weird if there's 3d it looks in place and not yeah, like that's uh, well done yeah the mice try to warn cody eventually i may have jumped ahead some mm-hmm. yeah cody climbs down the cliff uh to the nest which is very impressive <laughs> like it's a sheer drop and he just like well, we've already down seen him like in action ladder. he's also little kids they can do all kinds of stuff sure but uh yeah and so he's now in the nest and he's like he sees that the eggs are okay, and he's taking care of them. But then the mice follow him down there, and he's like, who are you fucking mice? What is this? And he's like, no, Cody, you're in danger. McLeach is on the cliff. And we cut to him cackling up there. Well, yeah, he's actually got, like, a big net gun, basically, that he's lining up in place. And then, you know, McLeach, or Cody isn't paying attention to this because he hears Marahute coming. And he's like, oh, she's okay. It's okay. Everything's great. And then we see McLeach shoot the big net at her, and then he does a big jumping, cackling like I got, I her, got her, I got yeah. her, yeah. So I like, got her, God damn. 
So, like, Bambi didn't have a villain that was on screen, but if it did, it should have been McLeach. Right. Like, this Instead, is perfect. Bambi's just, villains were just hunters just shooting exactly. indiscriminately throughout the woods. We need one southern dickhead. <laughs> Why is he's from southern Australia, I, I guess. I don't... He's not Australian he's at all. He's from the Double Cross Ranch mm-hmm. in just, Lubbock, Texas. Uh, so... Oh, the code, and while he shoots her in the big net gun, Cody jumps on board and starts trying to break her free and everything. And the mice so, too; they're all right. They're all working together. Bernard. Bernard gets left behind. Um, he has and, to think on his feet. <clears throat> right, and so uh, McLeach pulls pulls the whole bag up. He shakes him down into his cage, and at this point, there's no reason to keep Cody alive, right? Like. He, he's still there you could shoot him i guess but that might lead to evidence but if you're standing next to a cliff why does he drive away with cody still in that the cage like, like there's some questionable he's he just gonna kill, to kill him, later. him later on yeah right why not just do it there maybe he's thinking i already ditched the bag in the croc falls maybe if he his body is found elsewhere that might lead to questions where if uh, he's yeah, found at true, croc yeah. falls he wouldn't maybe I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah, but it also is just kind of like, well, we don't need to have the climax yet, so follow me. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But uh, now there's one more thing he's got to take care of, though, so we got to make sure the bird stays rare. So uh, he's going to send Joanna down to get the eggs. And so Bernard, who got left behind, now has to pull a switcheroo with some suspiciously egg-shaped rocks that are just also there. Joanna is not fond of this plan either. She doesn't like heights, it appears. She's very scared uh, to be going down the side of this cliff to to be sent on this task. Yeah. And then she gets down there. She tries to get all the eggs. She's unable to. So then They're so tough. She breaks her nails on it, and she tries to eat it and loses a tooth and then drops it on her tail. She just pushes them over the edge, tries to fake the whole thing. I mean, it still was the same result. Well, I guess so. But the plan if was they were the real eggs, they would have worked. Like, yeah. But... Either way, so she pushes them off the edge, thinks she's accomplished her task, but then it's revealed. Bernard's still down there. He hid the eggs. Those were fake egg rocks. <laughs> Conveniently, Wilbur arrives just at this moment. Yeah, so Wilbur's just here now, anywhere in Australia. <laughs> he just, let me stop on this cliff. Hey, Bernard. <laughs> so... Yeah, he might have asked for directions. Right. And Bernard's like, how could you leave Bianca? What are you doing? Like, we got to go save her. You go this way and now go scan the coastline. And he's like, no, Wilbur, you have to stay here and take care of these eggs. And, you know, I'll I'll go save Bianca. So now it's sort of Bernard's uh, moment to shine as the movie continues. And we get some silliness where uh, Wilbur does not, is not pleased about sitting on the eggs. And he's like, ah, quit moving in there, you know. <laughs> then... Uh... Bernard goes off on his rescue mission. Uh, Cody's a loose end, so he's got to be dealt with. Right. Uh, Bianca's with him, though, and, you know, tells him, you know, that Bernard's still out there and he's going to save us all. And then Jake's like, good job telling the kid that. Yeah, nice bluff. Right. (laughs) No, but he will help us. He will help us. This is how she talks. I'm not sure what accent that is. (laughs) He will help us. (laughs) He will she died after this movie was made, and that's why we didn't do a third one. But it could have just cast me. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Bernard. You sound kind of like the ghost in Muppet Christmas Carol at the beginning. Your salvation, then. Over 1,800 of my brothers and sisters have passed before. Not that one. The oh, other one. <laughs> well, the right voice, but the wrong line. No. She says that. No. What are you talking Christmas about? Christmas present says that. I know that, but that's what I'm saying. It's oh. the wrong line. It's his line, but it was right. the right voice. I knew what you meant. She said something similar like to that. Yeah, she? Oh, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I can remember nearly 1,800 years. That's <coughs> what it is. It's not a brothers and sisters. It's just okay. her. It doesn't matter. Point is... Speaking of which... <laughs> go on. 
Not Everybody really. loves Muppet Christmas, Muppet Christmas Carol, Carol like, cast. Here you should we go. just be ready to talk about any... Over 1,800 of my brothers and sisters have come before me. And then Michael Caine's line is, 1,800. Imagine, Imagine the grocery, the grocery bill. bills. That's the only time he cracks the joke in the whole fucking movie, and it's still about money. That's so good. No, that's a good point. He's making his, his face turn, but it's still money is yeah, what well, he thinks about. You gotta, be, you gotta be true to who you are, even if you turn face. You can't exactly. just be a totally different person. Let Take a lesson, WWE. There you go. <laughs> Problem solved. So anyway, Terry Funk's going to murder this guy, and that checks out for who Terry Funk is. Like, that all, you know, that works out. Uh, yep. Then uh, Terry Funk would never murder anyone. He's a, he's a he saint of like a, a man. Like, he's very old. He may be dead by the time this comes out. I hope not. That'll be very <laughs> I sad. I don't either, but his wife died recently. Oh, that is <laughs> it sad. could happen. Anyway, Bianca believes in Bernard. Bernard finds a Razorback. Woo, pig suey. He bullies the Razorback into letting him get a ride. What? We live in Arkansas. That's a, a That's our team for our college here most people don't know what a razorback is but it's a pig and i looked it up the name is only like it's to the north americas and australia pigs i don't i don't know why that's a colloquial thing for australia and the u.s and seemingly nowhere else but it's a type of feral pig anyway pig soy razorbacks okay anyway bernard now has to catch up with this vehicle and so to do that he has to wrangle some wildlife and so he finds a a feral pig or a razorback Uh, and we see some growth here from uh from bernard Uh, mm -hmm. he's watched what jake has done he's using the same thing he's not acting like a scaredy cat he has to save bianca he's been so nervous nervous and mild-mannered before and now it's like no we gotta save people and even he's still uncertain about everything because like Especially when we get to the uh, climax at Croc Falls when he's like, I gotta do something. Oh, I hope I know what I'm doing. And then he runs and like kicks Joanna in the face or something. So, but yeah, he uh, bosses around a Razorback here and is like, oh, you're not going to give me any trouble and that kind of shit. And now he's taken off after him. And then we go to Croc Falls, which there's no way this is a natural rock formation, right? <laughs> It's just a crocodile head with water coming right. out. It's like, a man-made home for the crocodiles. Like, we made you a nice place. Sure. You guys all go live here and leave it's us alone. It's got some weird, like, mini golf. We'll stay out and you go here. Mini like... golf course theming to it. Uh, tad. <laughs> anyway, that's where he's going to dangle him and feed him to the crocs. And, and then so he sings another song yeah, here. some more heel singing here. You get a line, I'll get a pole, matey. Which, by the way, uh, he apparently did not do the singing of the previous song the home on the range parody that was actually frank welker who did the, that version of it we will see this uh situation come up in other disney movies in the near future too but sometimes this our situation being the guy not singing the villain does not do the singing voice well, that happened before in jungle book where That's shere true. khan didn't didn't sing his part and you right. got somebody else to do that well going forward there's uh, uh specifically in lion king there's you know uh jeremy irons does the voice of scar he does most of the song Be Prepared, but halfway through it changes to a different voice actor, and you gotta be listening for it. And that same voice actor does the same shit in a non-Disney movie, so. In a non-Disney movie? Yeah, in Anastasia. Oh, okay. He, does, he mocks, or mocks, he mimics Christopher Lloyd's voice for that one. Ah, so. well, he has a similar voice to mm-hmm. Jeremy, Jeffrey, Jeremy Irons. Jeremy. Not Jeffrey Irons. That's a different person. That's not a different person. Well, it could be. Anyway, so Cody's going to dangle there, be fed to the Crocs. Right. But at this point, the vehicle gets shut off. 
And then uh, uh, McLeach is like, well, has something fishy's going on here. I smell a big fat rat. And while he's saying that, he's right next to Bernard, who's hiding from him, holding the keys. And so uh, and he's like, well, there's more than one way to do this. And he starts pulls out a shotgun and just starts shooting at the line to break it. Again, you probably could just shoot the kid while you're doing this, but I guess you don't want the body to end up having, you know, buckshot in it or whatever. But if it gets torn up by crocodiles, like, you're probably safe, right? I don't know. It seems like it'd be pretty easy to murder people in Australia. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> Again, we don't know much about your country. <laughs> um, And so, yeah, uh, at this point, Bernard attacks Joanna and directs, you know, her retaliation towards McLeach, which knocks McLeach and Joanna in, over the uh, edge of the cliff and into the water. And also, you know, so it's like, yay, we did it. But also at this point, the rope breaks that Cody is on and he falls in too. So now Bernard has to jump in and save him. And is able to, despite being a mouse, you know. Right. Is somehow able to... It's like Flounder getting super strong randomly exactly. in Little Mermaid. Well, all the physics go out the window when it's water involved. But after McLeach falls in, the crocodiles start taking off after him, so they're not by Cody anymore, so everyone there is safe suddenly. And so, like, we're washing away down this river while uh, McLeach is having to fight off all these crocodiles. And again, everything looks totally bleak for him, but he's still so confident about everything because he, like, is smacking the crocodiles and hitting them with his hat and stuff. And at one point, they f turn and swim away, and he's just like, Ha! I whooped you! I whooped y'all! You'll think <laughs> again before you mess with Percival C. McLeach! And then there's a waterfall right behind oh, him. Yeah. And so, and this is our second waterfall in the disney canon that i can remember with the first being fox and the hound mm. by the time we do it a third time with uh emperor's new groove we're now mocking it so mcleach is a sort of a like extreme version of the hunter from fox and the hound like sure yeah like way extreme yeah. but still <laughs> we took that guy and went yeah but he's too nice yeah, yeah basically the guy who was sexist the whole movie yeah like, what if he had no redeeming qualities? Exactly. I didn't bring this up earlier, but do you think Cody has a deadbeat dad? Yeah, I don't know what the situation is there. If it's an orphan situation or if he's just, you know, out whoring. <laughs> <laughs> it could know. be. <laughs> I don't know the laws in Australia. He's, I don't know. He's away on business, maybe. Do you guys Do you guys have that there? Whores. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what their attitude is towards that. It's a penal colony, man. There's no laws. <laughs> you said penal. That These are things I know about your country. I'm sorry. Penal colony. It makes Jake laugh. He's touching it right now. <laughs> it was scratching, but okay. All right. It's also quite warm in this room. It's not. He's lying. So, um, everything's bad, and <laughs> Cody's going to go over the waterfall and he does, but Marahute is free because also, by the way, uh, Bernard threw the keys to Bianca and Jake and they got the keys open and the bird flew out and went down and saved the boy and everything's good. And we fly up into the clouds again. And then while we're doing this, Cody pulls up the little rope that's still tied to his foot and sees Bernard like clinging to it for life and death. And, uh, you know, sort of lets him in his hand and says, thanks, little mate, which is maybe the first Australian thing he's kind of said this whole movie, but... <laughs> And then Bernard, while we're up there, says, all right, before anything else happens, Bianca, will you marry me? And then, it, of course I will. And it's sort of the mega of happy ending. Of course I will. <laughs> Zeal? They should have gotten me. I could have done this, the third movie. Of course I will marry you. Let's get married now. Roll, roll, roll in the hay. Exactly. That's perfect. What knockers. <laughs> um, 
So it's the mega happy ending. Young we Frankenstein's saved... good too. Let's <laughs> talk about that. We saved the boy. The the, the eagles free too. Um, Eagle fly free is a cool song by power metal band Halloween. <laughs> you should check that out. It is the mega happy ending, and I'm glad you remembered it better than me because my notes end with plan to feed Cody to Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't even write the climax. That's no. the build-up to the no. climax. Yeah, he's going to feed him with the Crocs, and then I just watch the rest. <laughs> but I guess he didn't. So, good. So, everything's good. The rescuers are going to get married. Everyone's okay. McLeach is probably dead. We killed another villain. They all have to die eventually. He was fine. He beat off all the cro- He beat all the crocodiles. <laughs> Phrasing, I'm sorry. He defeated the crocodiles. And fell. He can swim. He and made it through third grade. Then the, f- then the film ends with a silly scene with Wilbur where we can finish a out. Post-credits, right? Or, or mid-credits, it's isn't it? Before credits. Well, I it came so, up. No, I think it's just we we do credits right after. Oh, okay. It's the equivalent of a post-credits scene. It right. doesn't mean anything, but... You know, the birds hatch, and he's like, oh, you're so cute, chomp. Ow, wow. And then we play the end credits, and that's it. Uh, I really thought this movie just flew by. Apparently, the runtime is only an hour and 13, which seems (laughs) short. I haven't been, like, keeping track of all of them. We should have. Yeah. Yeah, we probably should have. We could add another column to our spreadsheet. It wouldn't be difficult for us to go back and do this. Well, I mean, it I would kn- for me because I don't know how to work a spreadsheet. It wouldn't be difficult for someone other than me to go back and do this. I know Robin Hood was long. It yeah. was it was more than an hour and a half, which isn't Fantasia's long, for, long too. Isn't long for real movies, but no, for long you know, for kids movies, comparatively long. Right, uh, which is a nice sweet spot for me. Anyway, comparatively long. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, yeah. <laughs> We have nowhere to go. Penal colony. Uh, while I do find this film wildly entertaining, it does very much feel like a B project. Like, this was the popcorn flick we work on while we also finish up Little Mermaid and work on Beauty and the Beast and the big Oscar bait. There's nothing in this was going to be nominated for an Oscar other than maybe visuals or something. But True. But at but the same time. And it was a good boy movie. Yeah. <laughs> it has a lot of good boys in it. <laughs> right. Just doing boy stuff. Uh, before we get to our actual rankings, do you want to just list things we know about Australia? Like, I feel like we've kind of already done that. Like, there's an opera house, the penal outback. colony, uh, marsupials. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aborigines. Oh, okay. Who originally were supposed to be in this movie, and then they decided against it. Did, didgeridoo. Uh-huh. Um, you said marsupials. I've never seen uh, Crocodile Dundee. Never. It's not great or anything, okay. but, you know. This is a nice. I've seen it a couple times. Yep, that's it. Um, there's a butt in it, if you're into that. <laughs> His butt? Whose no. butt? There's a lady butt scene. Oh, okay. That's what I remember from seeing it <laughs> as a kid. Butt? Whose balls are juiced? We'll what? talk about that in a second. Anyway, um, that's not related to the podcast. Doesn't have to be in here, but it is funny. Um, Australia. Now, a lot of stuff gets censored by their government, oh, video games that. in particular. Really? Yeah, I don't know if that's still current or whatever, <laughs> but yeah. So they're not a lawless... No. Okay. <laughs> no, I think it's the other way around. Isn't a guy who owns Fox News down there? Rupert Murdoch. Rupert. Yeah, he's Australian, right? I don't know. I think so. Something foreign. Yeah. <laughs> Chinese or something <laughs> weird. That's also from Anchorman. So, you know, we're pretty much experts <laughs> on Australia. Uh, I did take a geography class yeah. in 12th yeah, grade. Ayers Rock. Ayers Rock, that's a thing. That's mm-hmm. the big uh, plat- Mesa yep, platform We talked thing. about it. We had like a unit on Australia because the class was pointless. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, It's a continent and a, uh, and a mm-hmm. country. 
they uh, have a big feral cat population, oh, is I what I know. remember. Oh, okay. Like, a problem one. Huh. Okay. I don't know if it's like we released cats to take care of another thing and now we have too many cats. Here's a question I have for the Australian people. Maybe you can answer me. When they play things internationally, despite their flag's colors being red, white, and blue, right? Mm -hmm. Similar, you know, I think it has the Union Jack on there somewhere. Don't quote me on that. Uh, They always wear green. Where does does the green come from? What's up with that? I'd like to know more. Let me know, Australians. If you'd like to know more, <laughs> I don't want to look it up. Listen to any other to... podcast besides us. <laughs> you guys, to tell me more, Australians. Can we name famous Australians? <laughs> Keith, Keith Urban. <laughs> okay, there's one. Nicole Kidman, two. <laughs> I couldn't think of her name. <laughs> Even pro wrestling, Gerard I don't know. Gerard Butler. I don't know who that is. I don't either. Okay. Oh, and I know who he is. No, the other guy. Uh... Who's the guy I get confused with, Gerard? Butler. I don't know, because I don't know who he is. Gladiator. Oh, yeah, he's Russell from Crow. Yeah, Russell Crowe is Australian. I yes. don't know where Gerard Butler's from. Okay. I don't know who he is, so there's that. He was the guy in 300. Okay. Not the Bushwhackers. No, no. They're from, from New, New Zealand. Zealand. Um, and not, by the same token, not most of the people from Peyton Lord Royce of the Rings. and Billy Kay. Okay, all right. The Lord of the Rings people are New Zealand. Right? Yeah, They're that's Kiwis. where they filmed They call that. them Kiwis, right? the lord of the rings people <laughs> people in the cast in that movie largely from new zealand mm-hmm. not all of them ian mckellen's not you know but largely from new zealand fine um we write these films based on six categories <laughs> i'm gonna think of another australian you give me a minute uh so we start with mozart the... <laughs> we start with the matters hitler these are austrians that's the joke i'm the making joke. did Don't you get worry. it okay Let's start with the matters. Um, I actually gave it a three and a half. Um, it's way better than Rescuers 1, but it does feel kind of low stakes, uh, especially being a Disney musical or being a Disney film that's not a musical um, hurts the flow of it, which is why we get the loads of really short scenes and sort of to remind you what the characters are doing. And a lot of times they're not doing much. It's like, oh, we're riding lightning bugs. and Oh, right. You know, I would say it's, it's actually high stakes. We're just masking it with some of the other Disney silliness. Like Perhaps. we have a boy who's been kidnapped and might right. be murdered, but sure. you know, we're masking. That's it a better like, way to put Can it. this lizard use his tail? Like, right. So uh, I don't, it's, it doesn't feel big and grandiose. It, it feels like, you know, here's a fun adventure. It could be like, you know, if the budget was smaller, it could be like a few, a really good story arc of a Saturday morning cartoon, you know? So that's why I went with three and a half. I also went with three and a half, which is not to say we didn't enjoy this movie. It's a whole lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, like we said, how it has some issues with like how serious it wants to be at times. There are parts of it that are yeah. very touching, like with when the mom finds out right. uh, that, you know, that his bag has been discovered or like, you know, sort of the moments where it's like, oh, he might actually die here. Like, this right. could be a, you know, really... Even the Bernard and Bianca stuff is pretty touching, too. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. what, you know, is he going to get to propose or, and then finally being brave for her and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so those things are all nice, but then, you know, there's some silliness along the way, too. And Right. Yeah, so I also did three and a half. Um, for Mimi, I went with four and a half. I think uh, McLeach is up there. He's very Radigan-like. Um you know, if we made Radigan Southern instead of English, uh, you know, he's he's big and intimidating while also being silly and loving and being hammy and loving every moment he's on screen and because that kind of shit. Because he's Terry Funk. Sure. I had never heard Terry Funk sing, but actually that's not true. Yes. He did have some songs. Yeah. There's something else. We hate school, but we love rock and roll. I don't know what you're talking about, but okay. You should check it out.
like to hit that old broad in the nose. Cause we hate school, but we love rock and roll. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Radigan was an inspiration. Um, I tried to look up like some George C. Scott stuff. He's Patton. He, he Patton, is. Yeah. Right. But I meant like anything like we had, there were quotes from Vincent Price on what it was like to be in a Disney movie. I couldn't find anything like that from George C. Scott. Maybe he didn't give that much of a shit, but I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, saw what Vincent Price did and was like, well, I can do my version of that, you know? Yeah, maybe. I gave him three and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me... While he is a strong villain, I don't feel that he is overly Disney. Um, like you wouldn't no, think. Suppose not. When you he think doesn't of sing Disney a, villains. Like he didn't sing a villain song. Doesn't sing a villain song. But outside song, of Home like, on the Range, right? Well, Home on the Range, and and you get a line, I get a pole, right? Uh, but either way, I, I gave him three and a half. Like I really like him. I don't know how much other people really like him, or if I really like him because he makes me think of pro wrestling. Like maybe what I really like. He's a very wrestling villain, I'd yeah. say. Um, music, uh, this was a precedent I did with, uh, Black Cauldron, and I think I'm going to continue it. Uh, when I think Disney, mo- this is a Disney scale, it is how Disney are these movies. When I think Disney music, I think sing-alongs, and if there's not any, I'm not giving any points, so I gave it a zero on music. Oh. It's oh. a Disney scale, motherfuckers. <laughs> I wasn't that hard on it, I gave it a two, like, because his background, you know, it is nice, and like you said, the music sort of sets the yes. scene, uh, in, in a lot of the early scenes especially, uh, of sort of establishing the wilderness and all that but you're right it's there aren't any sing-alongs um there's not anything you would expect in a disney movie musically and but and i will be praising the musical score as well but i crammed that in a different category (laughs) well okay fine and that category is mise-en-scene which i gave a four and a half because the that that musical score is great and intense and uh you know, it's very brass heavy. It does oddly remind me of the Jurassic Park theme at times, which even though this came first, which is you know, interesting. Right. You started humming that and I can't hum Rescuers Down Under now, but I was in my head for a little bit. And most of the visuals look great. There are a few exceptions like the 3D buildings and stuff, but... I, in general, this is a great-looking film, four and a half. Yeah, I gave it a four. Um, great-looking film. Uh, the the voice work is really good, especially by uh, George uh, George Scott. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, clearly Eva Gabor could be replaced by me, but other than that... Uh, we're one of the other Gabor sisters. Yeah, that's true. There's <laughs> others out there. But I don't know why we had to just quit. Like, they we're not just shitting out more Gabor sisters. Mm-hmm. Are they all dead now? Like it's... I believe so. Okay, Jaja died recently. We well, looked this R. up with the first rescue. Also, we forgot to give a, a shout out to Rene Aubergenois in uh, in uh, Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know who that is. He plays but Louis, I, but he I was also he's in like the I don't know Star Trek that I didn't watch. But he's also okay. uh, know, he's in a lot of things. <laughs> character actor. Gotcha. Um, the message uh, is the next thing we rank it on. I gave it a four. Uh, I felt like it was handled much better than the first film. The whole, like, a big part of it is mice rescuing people. What comes along with that is, like, you know, size doesn't matter. You know, you little people can do big things and that kind of stuff. Which is true for the mice and also for Cody. Like, he, he is clearly already doing that with his uh, philanthropic stuff he's doing here. Of, you know, helping the animals and all that. Well, and I think it's a... Uh, something that lots of, of young boys, you know, a life that they sort of wish they had where they could talk to animals and mm. sort of be out feral like this and <laughs> out in the woods, just, you know. Not me. Just little boys doing little boy stuff. Like, not me either, but clearly. But that's, you know, 
I could see a lot of wild boys being <laughs> that way in the wild land of Australia, which we've already established. They don't have any laws. Penal colony. I don't know anything about your country. How many points did you give me uh, Madge message? <laughs> One of them. <laughs> message. I, I gave it four points. Me's Madge message. Yeah, I gave it four points. <clears throat> uh, you know, helping other people is, is big in both res- Rescuers movies. Yes. No matter how small, small you are, you can make a difference. Yeah, um, and in this one we also get uh, Bernard really coming to his own as you know as a hero heroic character at the end uh which there wasn't uh, much of that in the first film and even like with the the other the animals that are locked up like continuing continuing to try to break out sort of gives them purpose where like the koala has just given up and he just is jaded and he's accepted that he's never getting out but he's not happy and like the other animals you know they still want to try to get out yeah it's a lot of like keep fighting kind of message in this too yeah and that leaves us with magic. Yes, um, I ended up giving magic four, um, mostly due to the like exhilarating, you know, adventure sort of aspect yeah. of it. Like this is like kids Indiana Jones or something. Like it's, you know, it it feels really exciting, and I can't remember a whole lot of movies having those same feelings of excitement recently at all. In this, you know, <laughs> Oliver and Company didn't have that no, shit. No, no, no. Um, so yeah, that the magic carries a lot of it the magic is not top tier because it's not a musical because it's not yeah the most disney feeling thing like this could have been a fox picture or something and i could have believed that too yeah i tried to uh separate in in scoring the magic separate how i feel about this movie and tried to give it a more like objective uh hmm. viewpoint because i love this movie watched it a lot when i was a kid right. enjoyed watching it uh over the you know when i when i watched it recently but uh I don't know that it necessarily feels super Disney. There are times where it does, like yeah. the intro feels like uh, a f- didn't like. No, I don't think other animation studios could have pulled off that opening. Probably um, not. in other you know in the same way that Disney did. It's not the artistic achievement that late, that Little Mermaid was, no. or that Being the Beast uh, and Lion King and Aladdin will be. Right. Um, as we move on, but I, I gave it a three. Um, I really like this movie. That ha- there are parts you can see some Disneyness, but it's it's sandwiched in between, you know, giants. Yeah. If this movie had come out in the '80s, <clears throat> we'd be like, "Oh my God, this is so yeah. how haven't they done wonderful. this? Yet? Like, right. this is a six on the magic scale." Right. Like, but it didn't, and so you know we right. have, we know where we're headed. Right. Um, Financially, this song, this song, this music. <laughs> Financially, this movie did not do well. Like it had a very poor opening weekend, and then they basically just the lead Disney guy, um, Jeffrey Katzenberg, decided to pull all the advertising for it and just basically cut their losses of just like we're spending too much money right now and people aren't going to see it so fuck yeah, it and while they didn't spend <clears throat> as much on the music and uh sort of the art artistic elements as say little mermaid the cast would have been more expensive like bob newhart is right. you know he's not like it's not like he's red carpet gold <laughs> or anything not. or box office gold either but he's mm-hmm. you know he's well known ava gabor too and then uh, John Candy is a pretty big deal at this right. point too. So it's not like we just got random voice actors. And I feel like we're sort of testing the waters on with John Candy. Celebrities. John Candy in this movie, direct line <clears throat> to Robin Williams in, in Aladdin. So. Yeah, three and a half million its opening weekend, and that was enough to make them go, ah, we're screwed. Yeah. But uh, it was going up against Home Alone. Well, so that'll do it. Exactly. Good weekend for John Candy though. It was. They opened on the same day. So There you go. Mm-hmm. He went to the pay window. <laughs> and then 
the cocaine window. <laughs> yeah. And R.I.P. <laughs> Pour one out for John Candy, everybody. Just wish he would have lived longer. Like, he's pretty awesome. I feel like if he lived longer, Chris Farley never has a career. There, Probably. I said it. Chris Farley was like, we miss John Candy. He's like our rebound John Candy. Like, sorry, <laughs> people who liked Chris Farley. I mean, like, that probably lines up. I don't He was been already on the come up, I'd say, by this point. 90? That he'd probably be all his SNL stuff, right? Uh, I think it's a couple years off still. Okay. I think it's like 92, 93 gotcha. Maybe. I don't know. I was a baby. Uh, this was the first movie to come out when I was alive, by the way. That's true. We made a big deal earlier in the podcast mm-hmm. when we finally got to one that came out during my life- lifetime. Now we've made it to one that came yeah. out in Jake's lifetime. It was November of 1990, and I was born in June. So There you go. So, also, we're old. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, but it is uh, fun to talk about, you know, when you can remember these movies, you know, coming out and, like, remember waiting on them to come to video because it's not like, you know, yeah. you could stream them in two months or whatever. Right. like. It took like a year or so, maybe, before they would finally come out. That was the thing I meant to mention during Little Mermaid, but they like broke tradition with that one because like six months after it came out or something, they put out the VHS tape Mm -hmm. and just kept raking in money, basically. Whereas before, everything waited a while. We didn't total everything up and talk about... No, we didn't at all. I shouldn't have closed my notebook. I'll uh, tell you that mine was uh, 20... uh, 20... Flaming, uh, the thing. Shit. What was flaming in the movie? Terry Funk. Oh, cattle. No, cattle prod. No, that's not branding iron. Brand, flaming. All right, let's try it. So mine was twenty flaming branding irons or twenty uh shrimps on the Barbie. <laughs> uh, out of thirty. Which is a respectable score. I'll tell you what place it's in as soon as Jake shows me how to re-rank things in the... Uh... I don't know how. I made my own notes. I don't mess around with your spreadsheet. No, no, Excel. I don't either. I buy Excel shirts. <laughs> it's not even true. Duber. I gave it 20 and a half points out of 30, which will put it in... It's a rare movie where Jake gave it more points than I me. I did. I gave it a half extra point. It puts it in fifth place for me. Oh. It is uh, not in fifth place for me. It would be, <laughs> let me do some quick math here. It would go there, which means it would be 12, but starts one. It would be 11th for me in between uh, 101 Dalmatians and Aristoc- Aristocats, which were tied uh, between those two movies and The Great Mouse Detective. No, in between Pinocchio, which got 20 and a half. Oh, yeah. Mine is right underneath Great Mouse Detective. Um, if we want to do top three and bottom three, is that too difficult for you? No, I can do that. I've okay. got, I ranked them, and then I'd put in uh, Rescuers Down Under, so it's not ranked with the others. But everything else is ranked like it's supposed to be. I see. Well, just for to help everyone remember, my bottom three, last place, Dumbo, next to last, Sword in the Stone, and above that is the Black Cauldron. And my top three are Little Mermaid at number three, Cinderella at number two, and Jungle Book still sitting at number one with 27 and a half points. Bottom three for me, uh, the absolute worst. Did you go like next to bottom? I I went last, next to last, next to last. Well, all right. So the dead ass last for me is Sword in the Stone, which got 10. Then Dumbo with 11 and a half. And then the original Rescuers, uh, which got 12. And then Oliver and Company's very close behind with 12 and a half. Um, So it's very close ahead. Well, sure. (laughs) I guess, depending on how you want to look at it. And then my top three would be Jungle Book, Cinderella, Little Mermaid. We have the same top three, but in different orders. Okay. So there's that. Okay. I like this podcast where people agree with each other. 
Well, I mean, we made it to a bunch of good movies. Like. It's true. And there's more to come, because next up is Beauty and the Beast. That counts as a good movie. Exactly. That's, you ever uh, heard of it? It's a multiple Oscar winner. Get ready, everybody. Yeah, we have some, uh, I know we've been saying this for a while, but we got some real heavy hitters uh, coming up. We've got Beauty and the Beast, we've got Aladdin, we've got Jungle Book, we've mm-hmm. got uh, Pocahontas to a lesser extent, but still compared to some of the shit we are coming through from the 80s. Like most shows, season three is where it's at <laughs> with our podcast. We got the good stuff coming. Plus, uh, we're negotiating some bonus episodes to send your way to. So gonna... That's right. Again, if you have any suggestions, feel free to send them to us or just general interest, uh, you know. We are going to try, and we'll see how this works out, to do an episode per month and possibly get you some bonus bonuses in between. There's some, I almost said boners twice, but prevented it and then just said it. Bonuses, bonuses, okay, boners. Give you some boners in between, like the priest and the little mermaid. Yep, uh, topical. Yeah, there you go. It all ties in. Anyway, so we got more content coming your way unless life gets in the way again. But the plan might. <laughs> is to get you more stuff. Exactly. More shit all up in your ears. So on that note, <laughs> I will take this shit out of your ears because we're done. <laughs> See you next time, baby. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what we're doing there. I don't either. I'm Jake. I'm Dustin. <laughs> I thought you were going to add uh-huh. some kind of closing stinger. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Dudes Watch Disney Podcast. As always, we invite you to try to help expand our audience with this. We want to grow. We want to get more people listening. The best way to do that, word of mouth. Tell a friend. Give us a follow on social media. Our Twitter is at DisneyDudesPC. We also invite you to leave a review for us. Uh, five stars if you think we're worth it. If not, you know, give whatever whatever you think is fair. I hear five stars is the most useful. I don't know. We also want to hear from you guys. We always invite you to leave comments or, of course, send us an email over at DudesWatchDisney at gmail.com. We made it to the Disney Renaissance now. Our next film coming up is Beauty and the Beast, followed by Aladdin and Lion King. Like, we're here to the... We're at, we're at the good shit now. So if you guys have any childhood memories or points you want us to discuss or bring up during these films, uh, think pieces we should read before we get into them, I don't know. I mean, it's a whole internet out there. There's probably loads of information and research that we don't really do that we probably should. So if you got some something you want to send our way, feel free. Or if you just want to send feedback or criticism, or if you have any ideas for, like, bonus episodes or that kind of stuff. But if you don't feel like doing any of those things, that's perfectly okay, too. We're just glad to have you out there as listeners. So, uh, let me say again, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.